Welcome to the show, Tom Opkenorth. Tom is a board member with the uh, Sherwood Park Fishing Game Association. Uh, and one of, the, one of the things I wanted to have you on to talk about, uh, Tom, was uh, uh, conservation groups and, uh, uh, and gun control and the kind of the direction that, uh, that things are going. So uh, thanks for coming on the show, by the way. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm probably missing some of your exploits here. You're also a maple seed trainer. Uh, yes. What else do you do? Uh, well, that's a good question. It depends who you ask. If you ask my kids, I sit in a computer all day and do nothing meaningful. By <laughs> uh, day, basically, simplest way to put it is I'm a computer programmer. Um, and yeah, I am the rifle chair at Sherwood Park Fish and Game or the rifle director. And so my role there is basically to promote anything to do with the shooting sports with a focus on rifles. Um, yeah, so to that end, you know, a couple, three years ago, I heard about this maple seed stuff and I thought it was absolutely brilliant. And mm -hmm. I've been making noise to get maple seed active and going within Sherwood Park Fishing Game. And I'm trying to bring a whole bunch of other things, you know, a rimfire silhouette, uh, hopefully rimfire race guns this year. That'd be um, cool. yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm toying, noodling around with some like center fire, big bore stuff, uh, different thoughts on that, trying to come up with some plans. That's uh, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, a lot of uh, uh, that's a lot of uh, competitive shooting uh, for uh, uh, for a fishing game association, right? I yep. think uh, uh, that's one of the surprising things, I guess, that I found about uh, Sherwood Park because I just joined uh, this year. I'm also a, a member at Chaz, which has lots of uh, lots of uh, competition shooting as well. It's something that that I really like to do at the range is uh, is uh, competition shooting because. Uh, after competition shooting, I find sitting at a bench shooting uh, kind of boring. Kind of. Kind of. Kind of. Depends on what I'm shooting in the day kind of a thing, right? It can be a little bit more exciting if you double stuffed one of your, uh, one of your mags with, uh, or one of your rounds rather with a little bit too much powder. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, competition sport shooting is where it's at. So um, how long has uh, Sherwood Park been running these, uh, these competition uh, matches and uh, what kind of brought it about? Uh, well, so if you go back far enough, and I'm sort of learning all this stuff because I talk to members now being a, being part of the board, is I guess Sherwood Park used to do a lot of this stuff back in the 90s and early 2000s. You know, like there was an active bullseye league, there was an active metallic silhouette league, all that sort of a stuff. And, you know, mostly an organization, most of these fish and game organizations are volunteer run and just kind of the volunteers stopped or got old or lost interest and things died off. And then about three years ago... Um, you know, my kids were getting older and I'm like, yeah, I want to get back into shooting sports. So I have the time. And I was looking at Sherwood Park and I'm like, there's nothing here, but we have a really awesome range. Yeah. Fantastic. Looking. Yeah. Range, and yeah. so, you know, I sent a few emails out to the board and I never got a response. And then they happened to send out an email saying, oh, we need help on the board. If you want to join, please volunteer, which is what I did. And I sort of said, well, mm -hmm. you know, it's, we have a great range. There's lots of people that are interested in shooting events. I'm happy to help organize and make those happen. So really in the last three years, um, there's been an uptick at Sherwood Park Fishing Game. Before that, it was, it was I guess, you know, more like your traditional uh, fishing game club where you'd go there in the fall, you'd sight your rifle, and then that was it for the year kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. So the last three years, I guess, there's been an uptick. You know, I've met a lot of people and I've managed to suck a couple other victims in to help organize <laughs> stuff. Um, you know, like one guy I met at Chaz three gun, he's now our handgun chair, Mark Lowry, and he's yep. trying to organize, you know, some like handgun fundamentals courses. And here I are talking about, uh, like an action shoot, an action pistol night. So think Ipsic, but like more informal, more casual, 
with a focus on, you know, just get people out, let them have fun, let them shoot their pistols and talk to each other and, and just learn things that they couldn't normally pick up on their own. Yeah, there, there's uh, uh, another thing that happens with that is uh, community building as well. Like if you just go to the range, you get to know some of the like regular regulars. Like there's, uh, I, I, you probably know this better than I do, but there's a significant portion of, of, uh, of membership that just goes to the range once or twice a year. And then there's like a tiny portion of like super users that are there like every other weekend. And if you go to the range, you got a good chance of, of seeing them and you can, you can meet those people and talk with them, but not like uh, a shooting club or like a, a more paced kind of an event. And that's, that's one thing that I discovered with three gun, for example, where you kind of shoot with the same guys, you get to know them and you get to know them really well and, and uh, uh, become yeah. friends with them. And that's something that, is, is a little bit more difficult to have uh, happen just happenstance running across someone at the range when, you know, you're trying to do your own thing. You're trying to sight in this rifle or trying to test this ammo or do a ladder this or, or something. Whereas competition sports really do really does build that community a lot better uh, than just randomly meeting people. Right. Yeah. So in talking to some of the members, I was actually surprised. Like some of them gave me the feedback that they like these things because, you know, they maybe haven't grown up around firearms or they don't know a lot about them. So they, they don't know what to do when they get to the range. They're like, okay, so I'm, I'm sitting here. I have my rifle. I have my ammunition. I stapled mm-hmm. up a target. Now what? And so like, well, you know, if you organize an event, they have someone that can sort of tell them, well, do these things and that will make you better. Um, or the other thing they really liked is just like you sort of hit on the, the community of it. So when they go to the range themselves, well, they don't know the guy to the left of them. They don't know the guy to the right to them. Maybe they're a bit shy. They don't want to impose mm-hmm. and say, can we shut down the range so I can change targets or whatever, you know? And so the, they just like the, the group aspect of, you know, this is under control. No one's going to do anything wrong or crazy. And there's lots of people they can talk to, to learn, get support, um, you know, understand, different aspects of all the shooting sports, not just whatever, you know, if they're, they're shooting rifle odds are there's going to be someone in an event that knows about pistols that they can talk to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the, the one thing you hit on there is, uh, uh, getting better. Like I, I think I've talked about it on the show before. Like I, when I first started shooting, I've had pistols for a long time and I've been uh, terrible at pistols for probably the longest amount of time. Uh, because when I first got a, a pistol, I would just shoot at the range and just be awful at it and just not know like the capabilities of, of the platform. I was just thinking, ah, handguns are just bad. They're just inaccurate. When yeah. it was uh, actually, it was, no, I'm bad. I'm inaccurate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And here are the things I need to do. This guy said, grip the pistol better. This guy says, I'm anticipating. I don't think I'm anticipating, but I am. Oh, okay. Interesting. Here are some yeah. different drills. You can try to do that on your own time. Uh, and then benchmarking yourself, right? Oh, I think, I think I'm a pretty good shot. Okay. Well, you know, go, go try doing a match. Oh, I'm not. Oh, oh, I'm not. And I'm not by like this much. Okay. Well, uh, there's a, there's a whole other level here that I need to, uh, uh, that I could bring myself to if I wanted to. I think that, yeah, you get, you get all that stuff with competition. Yeah. Like just this past weekend, I was out there and I was talking to a couple of members and they, they were asking about ORPS and CRPS Mm -hmm. and they were amazed that a, we had these in Canada and then they were amazed that anyone would shoot a 22 past 50 meters. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah no problem. <laughs> yeah, the, the, uh, uh, every once in a while I'll talk to someone like, yeah, the effective range of 22 is 100 meters. And like uh, six yeah. years ago, eight years ago, 10 years ago, I think yeah. I would have agreed with you. But that's because I didn't know. That's because yeah. I didn't know. Oh, you can shoot them out to 200. It, you have to be like exceptionally well set up for it. 
to uh, yep. to make hits at that distance, but it's possible. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's yep. uh yeah, very interesting on on some of that stuff. Um one of the other things uh, so you're mentioning you know at uh, at Sherwood Park you guys are uh, really adding more uh, uh, more sporting events, which is uh, which is really cool. Uh, one of the other things that uh, that I noticed on the newsletter is that uh, uh, you guys are starting to allow uh, handguns and holsters uh, at at the range as well, right? Yes. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, like, uh, I think like at, at three gun, it's something that I've I've gotten used to. I just think everyone's always got a, a an unloaded handgun in their holster, uh, and that's uh, that's a very normal thing. Yep. And it's actually like a safe thing, right? Because if you think about like the process and the checks that go into it, like you go, you go down, you do your shoot, you you show show clear, hammer down, holster, and uh, and the handgun just stays there for the rest of the time. Um, it's a very safe place for the handgun to be. There's no one getting lazed. It's just sitting in this uh, this this purpose designed receptacle for it, and it's yep. uh it's really cool that you guys have done that. It just yeah, if you think of uh, there's a lot of ranges that don't allow hand uh, holster usage. Uh, for you know safety concerns and that kind of thing, and uh, I think that it's uh, it's misplaced, and uh, I think a lot of I think a lot of organizations are starting now to see that um, by having too many restrictions, they are limiting their members, they're limiting the community, and when we limit the community, uh, we don't get the growth as fast as we need to, and we get chipped away at we get chipped away at by governments in power. Uh, chipping away at different uh, uh, different privileges that we have, different rights that we have, and uh, and just take picking and picking and picking and picking. Oh, Ruger number no. one, four sixty Weatherby's. Nah, you can't have those anymore. Yeah. Oh, uh, MMP twenty twos. No, you can't have those anymore. That's a that's a weapon of war and and, uh, and that kind of thing. So I'm, uh, yeah, I think I definitely think we need to. Uh, let loose and uh, and get a lot more people in there. So it's it's nice to see. I, I, th- I think more conservation uh, uh, groups are starting to do that as well, right? More of the fishing game uh, ranges. It could be. I mean, I think maybe Edmonton, you know, Sherwood Park Fishing Game, because it's so close to Edmonton, is a bit of a, a an odd duck because we do have a lot of people from Edmonton and the surrounding community. Mm-hmm. Um, like most fishing game clubs are typically, you know, two, 300 members. We've got, I think close to 6,600 now. Yeah. And, you know, we did a a study a while back and roughly about a full quarter or half of those people are there just for the range portion alone. Yeah. That's a, that's an interesting thing because a lot of these conservation groups are, um, hunting conservation uh oriented i mean Chaz as well canadian historical arms society it was like a milserp collectors group i i guess like like originally yeah. but uh if you think about what they're doing there now it's like they're they're very much focused on uh on the range and uh and making things great for members there and i think that uh that's where people need to spend their time, right? A lot of a lot of people have yeah. firearms that they've they're just not useful in uh, in other contexts other than sporting. And and when you need for sporting uses, you need a range that supports that kind of stuff and have the has the facilities and has the programming to uh, bring new people in and uh, and offer different things to different people, right? Yeah, and like even then, talking to some of the uh, like the older guys or like hunters, like diehard hunters, you know, even they're starting to say like, well, you know, some of the things that are going on, they just, they don't feel right. You know, like if they're taking away this stuff, what's next? 
Right. So they're starting to realize the slippery slope of this whole situation that we're encountering. Yeah, there's a, there's a surprising number of uh, hunters and uh, um, firearms owners who are like, yeah, let the AR-15s, let them ban those so that they leave our, our hunting rifles alone, but not realizing, actually, that's, that was your buffer. That was your yeah. buffer between them and you, and now that buffer's gone. And now yeah. you're like one minute away from, uh, you know, in Australia, pump action shotguns are banned. They're, they're yeah. rapid fire. Lever actions. Lever actions like, are banned. Yeah, they had troubles with lever actions. Do you want that to happen? That's, that's the next thing that happens after this, after this barrier is gone, right? Yeah. And uh, uh, so I think that, yeah, conservation groups, especially but just because there's so many of them and so many people, that is their range uh, membership is at their, their local conservation group. I think it, it's in their best interest to uh, to get into uh, firearms advocacy of different uh, different uh, uh, methods, whether it be like getting more uh, competitions and more matches going, or uh, being welcoming and getting new members in. I know some uh, uh, smaller ranges are a little bit stodgy and uh, hard to get into, and their 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 website sucks. You don't know what like. There's no rules. You have to go to an orientation at some guy's house. You know, like like all this weirdness in trying to become a member that's not very uh, welcoming. So it's, it's something that I, I, I'm happy to see a lot of groups changing, a lot of ranges changing. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. yeah uh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, uh, so like with, like with Sherwin Park, we actually, I think we were actually inspired by Chaz sort of like, well, if we can do the online stuff or the orientation stuff online, you know, why not? I mean, people really just need to understand the rules and how things work. And we have some videos, I think too, that <laughs> help explain things. So it's like, you know, make it easy for people to join your club. And yeah. you know, to get out there and participate. Yeah, make them make it easy for them to understand, like some of the etiquette and uh, uh, etiquette around going to a range. Like, what's cool, what's not cool. What what do you do when you get to the line? Do you pull your gun out from your car? Or do you bring your cased rifle uh, to the uh, to the line? Like, uh, what's cool, what's not cool? And a lot of people just don't know, right? They might have yeah. grown up uh, shooting rifles on a farm where there's no such thing as a cased rifle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even if you're going hunting, it just sits on the passenger seat, you know, and yeah. uh, <laughs> to get those guys out to the range, they need to, they need to learn the etiquette. I'm talking about myself, by the way, because I, w- I would put myself in that category. <laughs> yeah, I would too, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, muzzle up and walk to the range. Who cares? Yeah. You know, walk to the line. Yeah, it's muzzle up. Who cares? It's yeah. not going to shoot anyone. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, a lot of that stuff, you know, just have to, People have to learn about it. I mean, another thing that uh, uh, that Sherwood Park is doing differently is uh, is raising money for uh, advocacy groups like uh, like the CCFR as well, right? Yeah, yeah. So there, we we originally had last year budgeted a five thousand uh, dollar donation to the CCFR, mm-hmm. and again, it just gets down to a lot of us. We agree with the CCFR's approach of education. Mm-hmm. You know, like teach people that these aren't horrible, evil things that they're they have been and will be a productive element of society. And yeah, and then things kind of went south just recently and that spurred us into action because we were looking at this too and we're like, well, as part of our survey, we found that a lot of people will have a range membership because of the requirements for a restricted PAL. So if we lose these people, that has an impact on our membership, which impacts our revenue. And, you know, being a Fish and Game Association, we do donate a lot of money to conservation efforts. And so mm-hmm. we thought, well, we need to stick up for the gunnies in the crowd and help them out. Because if we lose them, we're losing money, which impedes our ability to act as a proper conservation organization. Yeah. So, wow, what a concept, eh? Yeah. Oh, by the way, hi, Tom. 
Hi, Kelly. <laughs> I've been I've been squirreled away in the basement working. Um, oh. I actually am working. So, but I will. I that I'd come up and and jump on as well. I just oh sure. So, yeah, what a concept, eh? Yeah, so it's, you know, and this is a, a pattern all across Canada. If you look at conservation efforts, those are funded by primarily hunters and what hunters own. They own bows and they own guns. Right. Right. And you lose half of that equation. That's going to have a significant impact on all conservation efforts. Like Ducks Unlimited, for example, they kind of maybe had a bit of a political uh, PR misstep. <laughs> I don't want to judge right. them on that, but they got a lot of backlash over some of their decisions this year. Mm-hmm. Now, their, their, their response to that was that uh, they're not able to, they're a conservation, yeah. they're conservation group first, and uh, the reality is because they're funded by the government, they decided that they yeah. take a stance on it. However, there's other groups that have, and we've seen that recently with, uh, I don't know if you guys were talking about it already yet, but uh, there was uh, some conservation groups and different federations that have all joined together and yep. and put out a response to the OIC. And that's actually what we need to do, or what we, we need to see. Like, I'd like to see other groups, for example, like OFA and other groups that yeah. basically take on exactly what Sherwood Park's doing. I just have to say Sherwood Park is impressing the heck out of me. Like, it's seriously, you guys have really just stepped up in the last year, two years, two years, especially with you and Roland and other people who have come on board. I know that uh, with the exposure, but also um, public getting, you're having first time ever public events there, um, but your members, your mem- you have, okay, I come from um, Ontario where our our range is like my range that's local here is 250 people. And that's a lot of people at this range. And there's other ranges that are 150 and they want to cap it. Um, and then there's other ranges that are a thousand, but out in Alberta, like Chaz and Sherwood park, your membership is like huge. And you guys can, it's nice that you guys are, are looking at how to actually continue. I, I can't imagine, let's say if an Ontario range is 150 people and um, it's a rod and gun club or a, a concert, like like Sherwood Park is, and then saying, no, we're not going to actually support those that hunt. What's going to happen to it? Exactly what you're saying. You're going to, the range is going to close, basically. So Basically. Yeah, so it's yeah. time to take a step up. I can stop talking now, but I want to say hi. Oh. <laughs> 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 Anyways, yeah. I love your shirt, by the way, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's my favorite shirt. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's our it's yeah. the little Dutch Landor, and that's right. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you think about it, um, a lot of ranges, a lot of ranges uh, derive probably a lot of their revenue from from uh, people with restricted rifles, which are toast. All the restricted rifles are gone now. Well, not all of them, but, but a, a significant like a portion. Um, and the next stop is, you know, what happens with the municipal handgun ban? Well, all those all those conservation groups that get a lot of revenue from people who go to the range for handgun shooting and handgun shooting alone. If they're in one of these municipalities, they're going to see their membership chopped huge. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean like uh, things like Ipsic, I think I saw was one of the fastest growing sports in Canada, particularly among women. Yep. And like three gun is right up there too. Um, I don't know the breakdown amongst the sexes, but it's like, you know, these are two sports shooting sports that are just skyrocketing in popularity. 
Well, it's because it's fun, right? Yeah. Women, yeah. women, women in every, like, so for example, hunting, women are just exploding in that category, as well as, as you said, three gunner and Ipsic. It's because it's fun. We want to go to the range. We want to have fun. Yeah. And we want to hunt and we want to do all of this. Um, but both sexes, so male and female, both Ipsic and three gun is just taking off. And that's because, again, it's it's fun. dynamic as opposed to yeah. Yeah. Um, other things. I won't I won't say it, but it's kind of like I'll say fetish. Okay, go. There I said it. <laughs> fence, fence shooting. Fence shooting. Yeah. Fence shooting. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. No, I think it's fantastic. I think more conservation groups have to uh, have to do it because, yeah. um, I mean, like, so we, we talked a little bit about um, uh, this concept of barrier and uh, and having a barrier between hunters and gun grabbers. Um, and the other thing is like hunting, hunting is being attacked as well right now. If you look mm -hmm. at hunting in Alberta here, it's getting kind of like squeezed on both ends. We're, we're told uh, you can no longer spear hunt. Mm. No, like I, I, I wouldn't spear hunt myself, but uh, I would defend other people's rights to uh, to do it. Um, we're getting we're get, so that's not effective enough, and yet we got uh, Justin on the on the top end saying uh, an AR-15 is too much to hunt with. But in fact, yeah. like an AR-15 is actually like if you look at like deer culls, if if they need if if they need to send in contractors, uh, sh uh, contract hunters to kill a bunch of deer, uh, an AR-15 is actually almost perfect for it. It's lightweight; mm. you can carry lots of ammo. Uh, it's good enough to do the job. Uh, and a lot of uh, uh, contract hunters, when they're doing cullings, will use like a, a, a just a 223 just because it's quick. Yep. Yet it's not. Yeah. So, I mean, like, we, it's, we, it's we get it. It's not ideal, but if you have to do a lot of hunting, it is actually more ideal because it's lightweight and you can, yep. and, it's, and it's cheap and you can use. If your shots are within 100, it's fine. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. fine as well. So, if you, if you mm -hmm. hunt in a very bushy area, like 223 is fine. Um, and if you if you're a good hunter, knows the capabilities of your firearms, it's fine. I mean, on the other side, like an AR-10, uh, are being used or were being used for were hunting. Being used, yeah, yeah, and a lot of those were starting to become offered in uh, uh, very appropriate, like deer appropriate calibers, like 308, 65 Creedmoor, 243 for people who wanted to, like less recoil. Uh, they came in like really nice ergonomic uh, packages. And, uh, and those are getting squeezed out as well. So yeah. um, people should see the writing on the wall now for okay, uh, assault rifles um, and like a lot of big bore stuff is gone. Right. Uh, what's next? Okay, well, pump shotguns, semi-auto shotguns, semi-auto anything, maybe. Maybe that BAR is gone. So well, we have a, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, we've already seen some of those things actually be added to the prohib list, so we know that it's actually mm -hmm. not writing on the wall. It is the writing on the wall. You know, or not waiting for it. It's like it is. I think some people just don't see it, right? Like some people just say, like, "Oh, they're just going to get the the uh, military rifles right now." But it's like, yeah. there's not military rifles. There's not just military rifles in there. No, and there's not just semi-automatics. There's, Rugers, there's yeah. bolt actions, and yeah, so single shots. Single shots, yes. Yeah, yeah. and the, the loose. <laughs> did you guys see my definition? new? Did you guys see my new uh, um, go-to rifle for a three-gun maple seed everything? Yes. Is it yeah, blunderbust? It, no, no, it's it's my little pink rascal. Ah, single yes. shot. <laughs> oh, be careful! They're banning single shots. I know. We got that Ruger, that Ruger number one's gone. 
Yours, your savage is coming up next. It's concealable. You have a concealable, lightweight weapon. Yeah, I know. That's an assassin's weapon, Kelly. Well, I should probably. Mm, Especially in your hands. <laughs> <laughs> For the people behind me. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I mean, I, th- I think that um, people need to be comfortable with the concept of uh, defending someone else's rights to do something even if they're not comfortable with it for the sole purpose of this will delay them from getting to you. This will delay them from taking your BAR. This will delay them from taking your pump action shotgun um, because they'll say they're not going to do it. But if, if we're modeling after New Zealand and Australia, that is Absolutely. the direction that, yeah. uh, that things are going. One of the I mean, troubling things is the, the lack of a definition of a variant under Canadian law. So one of the firearms they've happened to ban just recently was a 1908 Brazilian Mauser. Yes. And I get why they banned it, because this particular example was chambered in like 416 Rigby, which exceeds the 10 kilojoule limit. Yeah. Right. But I happen to have a Mauser 98K, an 8mm Mauser, mm-hmm. which was built in 1934, according to the stamps on the barrel. So is that German Mauser a variant of the Brazilian Mauser? Or is it which is a variant? Is it capable of doing That's, ten thousand joules? It doesn't mean it doesn't have to be a variable. It has to be yeah. capable, capable, capable of, yeah. of, and it's if you the, took if you put a different barrel on that Mauser, it would be capable of yeah. right. But it's also a variant of a prohibited firearm. And if you read the OIC, right. it says these firearms are any variants thereof. Right? They'll get through it. So, so is my Mauser now banned? Well, no, no, and not yet, not yet. I'm just saying, according to Trevor and, um, you know, Slamfire Radio gets watched. And as soon as we talk about something, it'll immediately get banned. So wait for it. No. Um, <laughs> we should have told him that before he mentioned it. I know. <laughs> but, what, but you're not the first person to say this. We're, what we're seeing is we're seeing some people who have firearms. And these are firearms that have been passed down through the family. and um, like historical firearms and these are now becoming prohib and it's kind of sad people do not want to give them up especially since they're they're you know my grandmother's used it or my grandfather used it my father used it now i'm using it so why should you have to turn in something that is um you know it's an heirloom basically so it's sad It, it really really is sad I bought this off an army buddy like 30 years ago for 80 bucks. So it's not really an heirloom, but uh, <laughs> you spent $4,000 on it is what you spent on it. Well, that was, that was the modifications and enhancements I've poured into it over the last okay. 30 years. So, okay. All right. And you know, dollar values increased inflation. So it's now 4,000. Yeah. No, it's probably true. It's, it is worth a lot more now. Yeah. Mausers are. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's just, even if all you need is a pump action shotgun and your bolt action 308 for Stop hunting, <laughs> you need a barrier between you and the gun grabbers. And that barrier is sports shooters and people who yeah. are using this other stuff. And you should support them because they are your cushion uh, <laughs> between the gun grabbers and you. I think a lot of people just like are just like in denial that it's coming. They're like, nah, it's not going to come, but it's like, the liberals run on gun control every election they got elected in last time they ran on gun control they enacted what they said they were going to 
They got in this time. They ran on gun control. They're going to put in what they said they're going to put in, and they're going to keep doing it. It's, it is part of their playbook to continually add gun control, even when they lose. And it's not, it's not the only reason why they win. Like they have all these other things that, you know, uh, people want a 420 blaze it. And, uh, uh, they wanted election reform and all these other reasons that the liberals won, but yeah. uh, they'll always run on gun control and uh, it'll always be uh, a constant erosion until mm-hmm. we have nothing. Yep. Until the people who've, who have been yelling at us from like, Oh, hunters don't need a 308 that can kill something from 400 meters away. And hunters don't need spears and we'll be stuck somewhere in the middle here with, I don't I know. Find it, I find it really interesting because the people who say that, um, you know, you shouldn't be hunting with spears over here, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, the poor bear and everything, right? Over here. Uh, and then you have the same people saying you don't need an AR-15. You can go back to using like crossbows or like I even had one person say, you can use spears. Like go back and use, I'm going, okay. So which is it? Which, but you can't. Which, but you can't. Can't because yeah. Alberta is saying, you told, no, you told can't. told us you couldn't. So what is it? <laughs> what do you want? Like, anyways. Erosion. Constant <laughs> erosion from wherever they can poke in, poke in on spears, poke in on this, no air 15s, no 50 BMGs. Okay. You don't know hunting with that stuff. Soon it'll be like no 338 Lapuas. 4570. You don't need that. You just use 308. 308. That's a military cartridge. Yeah, right. actually. But, mm. Okay. So if you don't need it for hunting, so what are you, what are you supposed to do? I know a lot of people who go out and will go and do trophy hunting or they'll go out and they'll actually do um, game, big, bigger game hunting out in Alberta or what have you. And they need the, that larger caliber, right? Because they're going longer distances. So what are they supposed to use? Like, I don't know. I don't think the oh. liberal party cares or I, I know. They don't really care, but I'm just saying the people who are saying that are internally gun owners that are saying Mm -hmm. you don't, you know, use a shotgun or you don't some, yeah, we do need them. And if you're somebody who's Andrew, you should be supporting all sorts. Just saying, right. Regardless if we need them or not, there's no reason we shouldn't have them. Mm -hmm. You don't need to hunt. That's the, the crux of the issue here. This need thing has got to stop because that argument ends up being you don't need to hunt, go to the grocery store, buy your meat there. I've said the exact same thing. (laughs) And then my brother stopped talking to me. (laughs) You told him not to hunt? I told him he he was a murderer. Oh, okay. Did he say damn straight? (laughs) You bet I am. (laughs) On on a good year, I am. On a bad year, no. I got to go to the grocery store. And you know what? And then I did use that. And then I figured, and then I figured things out because the reality is, you know what? A lot of things you whether, don't need whether, to do. Exactly. Whether you're eating mm-hmm. beef or whether you're eating venison, like reality yeah. is it's an animal. So, yeah. so I mean, realistically it it's want. And I mean that it would have been yeah. nice to, to do some more hunting with uh, AR-10s and that kind of thing to just show people like this, this is what they're used for now. Uh, you look in the U.S., people going hog hunting, AR-15s. Absolutely, AR-15s. That is the tool to use for hog hunting. And if I would have gone coyote hunting, I would have loved to take my AR-15 out coyote hunting. But I can't but because it, I'm told but it, I can't. It got banned before you were able to do that. And it was restricted too, so I couldn't do, yeah. it. Couldn't do it. Right. Perfect for it, though. Uh-huh. Perfect. Better than a bolt. Yeah. 
for those who who know what they're talking about for those who aren't funny and say like oh, i only need a bolt action for coyotes it's like what if there's two show me a guy who can run a bolt that fast and catch a coyote that is on like a dead run after that yeah. first shot yeah you gotta need a semi for that kind of stuff and uh realistically the people we're arguing with aren't hunters frequently there aren't hunters and uh they have no business telling us what to hunt with or not to hunt with because they don't know what they're talking about yeah Anyways, and even if we are a hunter and we like bolt action hunting rifles and we're never going to use anything else, that's cool. But we need the guys with the semis to to act as our uh, our airbags to stop uh, <laughs> stop the wow. So I have a question for you. Who do you think is there? Because uh, the government says that they have consulted. They consulted hunters and they consulted these groups. Mm-hmm. Um, who do you think that they're talking to? Do you think that they're talking to those people who are in? Um, doing more of the sh- sports shooting or do you think that they're actually tart so when they talk about firearms owners and they're talking about hunters are they are they talking to people who are doing just doing the vent shooters they're going once and like i don't think they're even talking to them because the like the most politically active of those people um appreciate more of the fi- more shooting sports i yeah. think uh like when, the, when i looked at the last report they had which which kind of wrapped up the uh um, the consultations in person, the survey, uh, the write-in responses. And then they specifically picked, um, it was between like 10 and 30 people. I can't remember what the number was. Right. Um, but if you look at that, what, what that said, um, they picked... Um, um, I saw they, the they picked They picked people based not based on their expertise, but based on hitting some certain demographic uh, uh, numbers. And... Yep. And they had a couple of hunters in there. So at the end of it, they could say, oh, well, we consulted this group of 30 cherry-picked people. And uh, among them, were there were hunters. And they said, assault weapons should be banned. But really, they had like 25 people stacked on the deck to, you know, uh, want to ban firearms and that right. kind of thing. Yeah, I reread that report today and mm-hmm. looked at the list of people that were in attendance. And it was, um, yeah, the CCFR was... Not experts. In, atten- in attendance and they gave oh that's the consultations the consultations yeah, yeah. but yeah yeah but anyways um yeah so but what we are seeing speaking about ccfr we're seeing that a lot of groups especially gun clubs um mm-hmm. are now donating even a portion of their membership just like uh, tom tom's uh, gun club is doing uh i know barry um uh, barry got rod and gun is it rod and gun they uh they donated today as well. Um, I know that my own home club gave a donation two weeks ago. So fantastic. It means that, you know what, people are, people want to step up and say, nope. And want so, us to fight. But anecdotally, I've heard that there are some other, you know, traditional fins and fur clubs now that are sort of like, oh, if, if Sherwood Park did this, if another conservation org did this, maybe we should be doing the same thing. Right, And I've even um, heard through the grapevine, some people are now like, oh, you mean I can actually approach my board and ask them to do this? I don't just have to yeah. pay my yep. membership and then do whatever they tell me to do? Yep. yep. So it, I'm, I'm hoping it's kind of this thing, you know, we threw a pebble in the water and we're going to have this tsunami in Tokyo effect. Right. But uh, we'll see. It's, I'm okay with, you know, donations through shaming. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's uh, uh, but you're not biased. <laughs> no, you can donate. Hey, you know what? Donate to whoever. We're all we're all doing the same thing, yeah. trying to win the same thing. But um, yeah, no, you step up. 
go yeah. and talk to your clubs because your clubs, your clubs are going to close. There are, will be clo- clubs that close because of this. I do know that. So yeah. well, I know, I know a couple of small businesses here that have shut down because of this, you know, just small Absolutely. guys yeah. targeted a particular market. And now that market is gone. And I know some personal individuals that they're out the pocket, you know, like a hundred thousand dollars this time. And in 95, they were out 50, $60,000. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, you know, these guys have done nothing wrong. <laughs> Why are they getting uh, hammered like this? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it's a, uh, one, one thing you mentioned there was, was just kind of uh, showing that it's okay for conservation groups to do this. I mean, uh, even if, even if the group's original aim was purely conservation, yep. yes, purely conservation. Uh, what happens if all these gun bans continue? Well, there's no hunting and there's no money for conservation. Conservation's out. Okay, so what do we need to do to stop this? So we should probably stop these gun bans from happening because that means that more people will get into sports shooting, more people will get into hunting. And the weird thing that most people don't realize who aren't hunters is that hunting funds conservation. And without yep. hunters, uh, there is no money for conservation. <laughs> it's just not there. We'd have to tax people. Instead of having people voluntarily yeah. give their money over for, okay. for all this conservation, you'd have to tax the crap out of everyone to uh, to maintain like a, a shadow of the conservation we have right now. Right. So the Ducks Unlimited dinner that I went to, yeah, I did. Anyways, so who do you think was at that dinner? Lobbyists. No. Okay. There was one. Okay. But who was at the dinner? Who's paying the tickets to get to the dinner? Who's entering, spending all the money on the draws? Who was winning all the guns that were there? Because there were a lot of guns there. I'm going to guess it was hunters, duck hunters. Exactly. Right. So these are the people who are funding these organizations. Besides, okay. The government is also funding Ducks Unlimited, but whatever. Okay. So, but the fundraising that's coming to and supporting and doing all this conservation is, is people who are, who are gun owners. Yeah. 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 So the groups should protect those people and uh, use some of their clout to uh, raise awareness, fund some of the, uh, uh, the lobbyist groups, uh, run some events at their local club to, uh, to get more new people in and uh, just raise a profile of the hobby. Cause it's uh, uh, that's, that's the way that we win is, more people knowing it, more people into it, uh, deeper into it, and the better the better it is. Mm-hmm. Got to get deeper into it. There's too many guys who are like, I own a shotgun, but if the government came and, and took it from me, so be it. I, I don't really care. And it's like, okay, you're a gun owner, but like they they don't they don't compete. They don't just they're just not passionate about it. So right? why did, so, so why do they have the gun? So why do they have the shotgun? Some of those people used to hunt, or they still do, but they just like, yeah, meh. meh just once in a while like like i fell out of shooting when my kids were born and i'm like uh kids talk about a massive time sink i tell you what (laughs) Um, and then money huh don't even get me started on that ankle (laughs) but now they're older and stuff and it's okay i can kick them out of the house if i want to or i can go off and do my own thing and you know i I now have all this my life is back i can be me (laughs) but like yeah like when i was a kid you know, the biggest, the most fun I had when I was like 16, 17 years old was on a weekend. I'd grab a half a dozen of my friends. We'd go out to a farm and shoot gophers all Saturday afternoon. Right. And that yep. would cost us maybe 20 bucks an ammo for the day, you know, split amongst three or four guys. Yep. Yep. That's a lot of gophers too. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I mean, yeah, just recapturing that, getting more people into it and uh, yep. keeping it moving forward. Something we got to do, something the conservation groups have to do as well. 
And uh, I'm glad that you guys are, uh, you guys are, well, I guess I'm a member too. So uh, me too. I'm going to pat myself on the back here (laughs) for your work. (laughs) (laughs) I am here to serve you, Adriel. No, thank you, Tom. And and the rest of the people at uh, SBFTA for, uh, for pushing this stuff forward because it's something that I think we need to do. And it's something that I'm glad to see more conservation groups moving forward with. I have a t- I have a question for Tom though before he leaves. Yeah. Tom, so there's a lot of people who are listening, viewing, etc. Okay, so what is your so what do you what do you want them to do? Uh, I don't know. My my take on this is the world is run by people that show up. So if you want your club to do something or behave in a certain way, volunteer and get out there. I don't think there is a single board of directors for any gun club or fish and game association that would not welcome participation and interaction with their membership. Right. So just send an email to your board and say, you know, I'm concerned about this gun stuff going on. What can we do about it? Can we send a donation? Um, Like one thing that Sherwood hasn't really been announced with Sherwood park is uh, law enforcement agencies. They rent our range to train and some members are like, we need to ban these guys. They shouldn't be allowed. Okay. And I'm like, no, bad idea. Instead, let's take their range rental fees and we will, whatever money Sherwood Park makes this year off of renting the range to law enforcement, we're donating that again to the CCFR. So we're taking the government's money and we're funneling it back against the government. So, like, con- contact your board and make suggestions like that. Like, don't say, oh, let's kick the cops off the range. Let's take the money the cops are giving us to use our range and then right. donate it. <laughs> The reality is frontline, a lot of frontline officers don't agree with us. Yeah. And you know what? And if they need to qualify or if they need to train, they need a place to train. So, yep. and to make things safer as well. I, I agree with that, but the, it's fantastic that you're taking the yep. range fees and donating it to yep. an advocacy group. That's fantastic. Well, the but, the, the uh, anti-gunners get some of their money from the government and now the, yeah. the pro-gunners get some yep. of their money from the government too. Yeah, it can fight itself. <laughs> well, we have pay, paid to fight each other. It's kind of like uh, yeah. Cold War funding, like uh, <laughs> a proxy war. <laughs> but yeah, basically just get involved. Contact the, the board of your local fish and game association or gun club or whatever. And just a couple of emails to say, this is the direction I think we can be taking. Is there anything I can do to make that happen? Yeah, You may not have money. You may not have skin in the game, but your time is always appreciated and welcome. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thanks Thank for coming you. on the show, Tom. Yeah. Thanks for having me.